Hey, everybody, we're the Mentormers. Uh, welcome back, or thanks for having us back into your ear holes uh, for your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. Gabe, how you doing, my friend? Shana Tova. Uh, I'm doing very well. Looking forward to building the sukkah in the heads of all of our listeners. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're just running through all the high holidays now. Um, do you have any, any Shminei Atzeret or uh, uh, Simchat Torah jo- I jokes? Think, well, I was about to say, I think on Simchat Torah, we should start with the first episode of our podcast right. and have our listeners start at the beginning and then listen to it again. Um, it's like an April Fool's joke, but for the, for the high holidays. Exactly. You're, you're Simchat Torah. But it's, you know, it's nice to do that. I think we're going to be... Uh, you know, this next year seems to be very good for the podcast. And, and this week has got pretty exciting guest. We're going to look to the future by revisiting the past, Ooh, as it were. Well done. That's right. Uh, we interviewed uh, Josh Rawich, the president of the Major League Baseball or the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Um, really great to have him as a guest. He's a really re- recently uh, taken on the role. He's someone who's been in baseball for a long time. I think we had a really interesting conversation with him about, you know, his Jewish connection, uh, Jews in the major league, in the, in the baseball hall of fame, um, and, and sort of, you know, how he got the coolest job in the world. It's an extremely cool job. Um, you know, he, he is familiar with a lot of the Jews in the baseball hall of fame. There's, you know, a handful of Jewish halls of fame. Um, you know, but this is particularly the baseball hall of fame. I think he, he mentioned, uh, you know, he, he increased the Jewish population of Cooper's, Cooperstown, New York, where the Jewish Hall of Fame is. Um, it's also, he's probably, you know, the Jewish, I feel like most Jewish Halls of Fame, your Jewish Sports Hall of Fame here and there, like Jews who run Hall of Fames tend to do it like in the trophy case or the display case inside a synagogue right. or a YMCA yeah. somewhere. Um, I know there's um there's a very specific specifically named Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame that often comes up in research is like so and so you know Jock Peterson was was named to the S- Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. I bet which you I, Josh Rawich will be in the Southern California Jewish sure. Sports Hall of Fame. I, I don't think it's only for Jews of Southern California, but it's mostly them, and it's it you know it's in LA, so it's it's or it's in Beverly Hills, so it mostly celebrates Jews from that area. Does it um, does it have a standalone building, or is it in uh, a synagogue? Oh, that's a good question. I think it is, in fact, a uh, an actual building. But that is something we should we should probably uh, get the CJN to fund a trip for us to Beverly Hills to go do some fact finding at the at the SoCal Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. It's and, uh, so it's actually in the American Jewish University. Oh, wow, um, cool. in Bel Air. Uh, oh, cool. So it's, I guess, like the Brandeis West Coast campus. Right. There's an international Jewish Sports Hall of Fame as well. That one's um, in Israel. Right. That one's in Israel, and they seem to be continually inducting people. Actually, in the Southern California Hall of Fame, friend of the pod and former guest Cody Decker yeah. is a is a uh, 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 inductee of this year. So, congratulations to uh, Cody Decker for that. Yeah, uh, we should move on to some other baseball news. Going to be a baseball heavy podcast, which I I think is is great because because baseball is the best sport. Um, oh, it's I'm, the I'm, fall I'm, classic coming up. That's the only reason. And and the other sports aren't really happening now. Well, football's underway. Um, shockingly, preseason hockey is on, which as a as a Canadian not big hockey fan is only makes me despondent. But uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting into the playoffs. Um, we wanted to talk about some some Jews to focus on uh, in the MLB playoffs that are let's, coming up. There's, let's there's remember a fair amount some of Jews. Them. Let's talk yeah. about some Jews. So in the uh, in the American League, we have Alex Bregman on the Houston Astros. Uh, Houston, if they haven't clinched the West, they're they're certainly going to shortly. Um, and will you know be playing in all likelihood the White Sox 
in in the ALDS. Um, I think it's possible they catch a raise, but but it's unlikely. Um, uh, you know, very Al- unlikely. I also don't think there are any uh, Jewish players on the White Sox, are there? No, there aren't. Um, but Alex Bregman, I, I, or at least I don't believe so. Alex Bregman having a, having a pretty solid year. Um, he had some injuries that that uh, troubled him earlier in the year, uh, but he's been uh, back for a bit and and been playing pretty well recently as well. Um, you know, he's going to be a factor in in the playoffs for sure for the Astros. You know, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, he's your he's your uh, <laughs> Chicago White Sox too. But Bregman yeah, is obviously true. he's a big deal. He's a great player. He's going to be very relevant and and could be a Jew to win another uh, award. But you know, th- there aren't any on the Yankees. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox don't seem to have any Jews. Uh, no, I don't think so. Other than the ones running the show and Chaim Bloom and Mark Shapiro. Um, right. But we got some Jews in the National League. Uh, former yeah, Blue Jay this- Rowdy Telez bringing his thick Bubka esque body. Uh, to Milwaukee, uh, where he's where where they're going to make the playoffs, or they clinched yesterday at the time of this recording. So, uh, good luck, Rowdy, in the playoffs. Yeah, the Brewers look really good. I mean, I I think they've they've had the uh, you know the bats going pretty well all year, and the, and the pitching's been really solid with uh, um, Corbin Burns right as as their their ace. Um, Rowdy, you know, I think got to got off to a good start when he got traded to Milwaukee. He got hurt. I think he's he's playing. I think they're going to get him back for the last series, maybe. Um, yep. I, I don't see any reason why you'd be off the playoff roster. Um, you know, hard to harder to hide his bat in national league games. Sorry, hard, hard to hide his glove rather in national league, in national league games. But if the Brewers make it to the world series, he's a guy who could be DHing, you know, on their, and pinch on their hitting, games. absolutely too. Yeah. And then the, uh, two more that, that we have on the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Braves who, uh, are almost certainly going to win the NL East. The, the Phillies are still a few games back of them. Um, they've been, you know, sort of up and down the NL East. No one, no one has really broken out. Um, but they have both Max Fried, the pitcher, uh, who has been putting together a very solid year. He got off to a rocky start, but, but I think it's just been dominant recently. Um, you know, should get a few Cy Young votes kind of season. Stay tuned for our interview in a couple of minutes where we, we talk about Max Fried through some epic Jewish geography. Uh, this, this, you know, we play a lot of Jewish geography in our interviews and this chat with Mr. Rawwich is probably the deepest we've ever gotten from a friend's brother went to Hebrew school with so-and-so onto, you know, his strange connection to Gabe Kapler. So yeah. let's get excited to talk about that, but we can continue going through the Jews. Uh, they also have Jock Peterson. Uh, yep. formerly of Los Angeles and another member of the Jewish sports, California hall of fame. Um, and yeah. I think that's, it hasn't been playing, ha- hasn't been playing as much recently, sort of platooning, um, you know, playing a little bit of, I feel a little bit of right. Uh, but he's put, been playing pretty well recently. I think he had a home run on uh, yesterday on Sunday, um, you know, should get some playing time, at least as a, as a platoon option in Atlanta. Um, I'm not sure if their series is going to be, uh, I, I guess it would be the Brewers, right? Because the, whoever's in the West, the two teams in the NL West are going to play each other. Um, whoever the, uh, yes, sorry, it, look, it looks the, like the winner the of the NL West win the division yeah, and then and they're going to play the wild card team, the wild card team. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, they're, they're going to win the West, the giants and the Dodgers are going to be one wild card and they'll play the other wild card team. Yeah. Which will looks to be St. Louis. But um, whoever, yeah. Who, well, either the Cardinals or the Dodgers. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll be playing yes, the Giants. We'll and then playing the, the Giants. There aren't any Jews I can that I can find on the Giants. We've got two great uh, Mike Jacobs All Stars. Uh, you know, the grandson 
of one Mike Jacobs all-star we get asked about about a lot, Carl Yastrzemski of the 1970s. His <laughs> right. grandson, Michael, is uh, is a Mike Jacobs all-star. Yastrzemski, anybody in the name Ski, there's a chance. You got to dig into it. Right. And Kevin Gossman. We know Jews named Goss. We know Jews with man. He's Gossman. He is very much not Jewish. I think he's a pretty hardcore Bible thumper, as a matter of fact. And uh, we should mention as well, of course, in, in San Francisco, they've been having such a great year and they're managed by Gabe Kaplan, uh, who is Jewish and, you know, got sort of... Uh, we'll come up in our interview momentarily <laughs> with uh, Josh Rowich. Yeah, you know, got sort of unceremoniously run out of Philadelphia, um, but uh, has been great in in... San Francisco, you know, taking over from a, a legend in, in Bruce Bochy and, uh, you know, didn't have a great first year. The The COVID year is weird, obviously, but, you know, they've been the best team in baseball basically this whole year from start to finish. They're doing it. They're doing it with with, you know, guys who nobody thought they'd do it with. Uh, you know, the rebuild is here. They're playing in the toughest one of the toughest divisions of baseball. And I think Kapler probably gets a lot of credit for that. I think I, I would imagine he's the favorite to be the. Uh, I think so. He's really made, he has really done a great job of making that one day of oil worth eight days when it comes to the one all-star one hall of famer and Buster Posey sort of running the team. Like, like it's a miracle. You might say the one day's worth of coconut oil. He's making last uh, for, for eight days. Uh, Uh, Let's have our audience Google that. We don't need to explain. Feel free free to feel free to Google Gabe Kapler coconut oil uh, on (laughs) on on a non work related computer. Gabe, before we get into our interview with Josh, there's one more thing I want to mention. uh, And sticking to the baseball world, um, we have something to celebrate. Uh, Israel baseball team won a silver medal at the European Baseball Championship. Spectacular! Very big congratulations to our former guest Nate Fish, who is now running that team. It's been a long, great chat with about him with Mike Wilner a couple of weeks ago. Nate has long deserved been, you know, a big titan of Israeli baseball. He is now the coach of the team and taking them to their first podium, uh, which is a spectacular result for them. Yeah. So this is a building off, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about, uh, you know, the World Baseball Classic, the Olympics, all of that. Uh, at the, you know, European Baseball Classic itself, the, Israel's best finish was in 2019 when it finished fourth. And this time they made it all the way to the finals. They took a lead into, you know, the late innings against Netherlands, um, which, I, you know, it might surprise some people to know this, but Netherlands is like the it's European baseball powerhouse in, in large part because of players from the Dutch Antilles, uh, you know, Curacao and Aruba uh, specifically that are, you know, sort of baseball, baseball crazy uh, islands and, you know, that have produced dozens of major leaguers at this point. But um, Israel really had just a great run. Didn't end up being able to pull it off, but uh, silver medal is great. I, I think Gabe, there was a there was a great uh, tweet that that Nate Fish put out, um, you know, saying that the team only had 15 players, four of whom were teen- teenagers, three of whom were 40 years old. Uh, when they went there, they were trying to avoid relegation into like the lower pool, and uh, they put an 18 year old on the mound, and they still, you know, did all these things, won all they, these. They games. were they were unbeatable until the last game. It was their first loss of the entire tournament. Yeah. So, uh, you know, real muzzle tough to them. And I think, you know, the Israel baseball story is not finished. It is continuing on. Hopefully there's baseball at the Paris Olympics. Hopefully there's another WBC. And I, I know that we're going to see Israel make, you know, continue to make great strides and, uh, and, and continue to take home, take home great awards like this. 
we're going to keep we're going to keep you posted uh, everyone on on the israeli baseball team as we continue going on we'd love to have nate back on the show at any time to talk about any of his experiences um and you know it's it's something we know you care about as our listeners and we care about both as sports fans and as jews so yeah it's a really exciting and spectacular story and we can expect to see that group in one of the jewish sports halls of fa- halls of fame uh, before, later, and after. One other thing I want to get to. Sure. Um, for only the second time ever, a Jewish golfer has appeared in the Ryder Cup. Um, the first Jewish golfer since Corey Pavin of 1991. Uh, Corey Pavin also was in the 1993 Ryder Cup, but uh, he was no longer Jewish by then. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, professional golfer Daniel Berger, uh, you know, DB skills, the vibe guy, as they call him, that's right. Uh, won the Ryder Cup this week. So a big muzzle tough to Daniel Berger for being the first Jewish golfer to win the Ryder Cup um, for uh, since 91 with Corey Pavin. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is actually going full circle because we did talk about Corey Pavin, I think, in maybe our first or second episode as trying to define what what is a Jewish athlete or who is a Jewish athlete, because uh, he, uh, you know, grew up Jewish, but uh, converted to Christianity. So not someone who identifies as Jewish. And that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, doesn't have to be someone who, uh, we talked about a lot, but, you know, has, has some, has been written about as a Jewish athlete before. He was Jewish at the time of that first tournament. Yeah. You know, he was, he was, he was 31 years old. He had yet to convert. He was still not Jewish. He was still Jewish. He was pre not Jewish. So anyway, good work. Good work good for work. Daniel Berger. Good work for Daniel Berger and, and our other big Jewish golfer, Max Homa, won the Fortnet Championship. Uh, that's Fort, Fortinet, not Fortnite. Um, yeah. I, do you know what Fortinet is? Fortinet I don't know. Is. Let's let's Google it right now. I, I think um, I could probably tell you what like 30% of the uh, companies that sponsor PGA Tour events Okay, so are. yeah, what's your guess? What do you think Fortinet is and where is it headquartered? I think Fortinet is probably something to do with internet security. And I'm going to say that it's headquartered somewhere in Colorado. Did wasn't the tournament was the tournament in Colorado? No, it was in L. It, it was in, in, in Napa. Northern, tournament in Napa. Napa. It used to okay. be the Safeway Open. Oh, it used to be the Safeway. Okay, so I'm going to say Fortinet is internet security, and they're headquartered in Silicon Valley. Uh, Fortinet is an American multinational corporation headquartered in Sunnyvale, California. Yeah, that's a that's quick so, Google search tells that's us Silicon Valley. I think is uh, in Santa Clara. Yeah, actually. Absolutely. So it is. Yes, it is in in Silicon Valley. And they are a drum roll, please, from our producer, Michael, a cybersecurity solutions company. Oh, great. OK, so, I think I sussed it out pretty well. Yeah. Max Homa has won the tournament uh, and you have won the little game to figure out what Fortinet is. Yeah, uh, that's I right. believe as part of Max's prize, he will win free VPNs for the rest of his life so he can watch British Netflix as often as he wants. Yeah, uh, you know, I think a lot has been written about Max sort of like dialing in a little bit recently because he, uh, um, you know, sort of cut back on some of his extracurricular activities. He, like us, was a was a Jewish uh, a Jewish person doing a podcast, and he stepped back from that. Uh, he's still he's I think he's still the mayor of golf Twitter. Um, I think so. And you know, this is his third championship. It's the first of the year. It certainly sets him up to have a you know a big year on the tour and sort of you know crack crack some crack some top tens at majors maybe would be great he that's somewhere where he really hasn't had success yet um and you know between home and burger i think you know the, we'll see some more championships this year we, we they each had one last year and, and uh you know they're both going to be at the masters this year uh they're yeah, both going to be at i think all four tournaments it should be at all four yeah yeah um, and burger is and burger's really top exciting. 20 
Yeah. Well, uh, that that's a that's a good uh you know profile on golf i think i think this is sort of the the down months for golf as much as there are these occasional championships and the and, you know the Ryder cup just ended it, it it's hard to focus on on some of the uh i don't know the 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 zozo classic or whatever um i'm sure we'll talk more about golf as, as things start to heat up after after uh the new year oh i was gonna say we want to thank josh for coming but beforehand i got a question for you jamie sure um before we get to to outside baseball let's talk about you know something that's a little inside baseball sure when you think about you know groups friendship trust what do you think of uh i don't know what do i what do i think of team team teammates uh competition or or, you know cooperation well i'm talking about the level of cooperation that is the cjn circle a group you can join uh, to get the greatest, latest and greatest from the CJN podcast network, as well as the rest of the CJN uh, family uh, through uh, online community and newsletter, you can find the CJN circle at cjn.ca slash circle. And with a subscription to the CJN circle or membership within the circle, you get the quarterly CJN print magazine, uh, as well as weekly printable editions of all of our stories and invitations to live events that are facilitated and put on by the CJN. You might one day in this circle get to meet us, which actually is probably a, an argument against joining the CJN circle. But, but you, could, you could meet other CJN contributors and podcast hosts. We need your yeah. support. You should you can support, meet our producer support, Michael. support your local Jewish media. Uh, and Please tell your friends about this show. Exactly. Uh, but let's move on to our interview with Josh Rowich. Well, we're very happy to be joined tonight by Josh Rawich, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Josh, how's it going? Doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here with us. Um, I, I got to say that, you know, we've had some professional athletes on. Uh, we've had people in sports journalism, uh, sports historians, all kinds of people, different walks of life. Uh, you are the person whose career I am most jealous of and whose job <laughs> I am most jealous of. Wow. You're the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, I can't think of any any place I'd, ra- I'd rather spend my days, uh, you know, beats the salt mine of, uh, yeah, of whatever I'd else say I do. I'm sometimes jealous of myself as well. Honestly, there are definitely been days since I took this job where I kind of look around and go, man, I can't believe this is where I get to come to work every day. So. I appreciate the sentiment. How I mean, when you and your family moved, presumably to Cooperstown, uh, to what degree did you multiply the Jewish population of the town? (laughs) Well, it's quite funny you say that because uh, it is not a particularly large Jewish community out here. And uh, interestingly, my my immediate past predecessor, uh, Jeff Idelson, who had been here for 25 years and was back as the as the interim president. um, I was one of the questions I actually asked him as we were kind of he was the first person that, that suggested this might be a good position for me. And I just said, I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, what is the Jewish community like out there? And he said, it's small but mighty. Um, they don't have a synagogue here in Cooperstown, but there is one out in Oneonta. And, uh, and uh, I'm guessing that, yeah, we, by adding four Jews to the mix, uh, we definitely increased it significantly. Uh, so, Josh, you recently became the president uh, not, not too long ago. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about sort of, you know, how you got there, your journey in, in Major League Baseball, uh, different, thing you, different things you've done during your career? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, ultimately, I, I got incredibly lucky as a freshman in college in Indiana. Um, I wound up 
landing an internship with the Dodgers, which was my hometown team, born and raised in Los Angeles. And uh, obviously, 1995, it was a lot less competitive to get those sorts of positions. So I was very <laughs> sure. fortunate I did that for a few years. And um, ultimately, over the course of about 15 years at the Dodgers, I kind of just worked my way up from an intern <laughs> into when I left, I was uh, the vice president of communications there. And in between, I spent a couple of years actually uh, as a sports reporter. I covered the Dodgers for a year. Um, covered the Giants for the for a year, and actually, I've got a good I've got a good Sean Green story there we can come back to. But um, oh, great! Terrific. But anyway, um, yeah, and then ultimately, uh, Derek Hall, interestingly, another uh, another Mensch warmer, I would say, uh, was the president <laughs> of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, my he was my old boss of the Dodgers, and he he brought me over to the Diamondbacks about ten years ago. So spent about a decade at the Diamondbacks, kind of slowly taking on more and more responsibility, learning from him, kind of everything that it takes to run an organization, and. Uh, and then just this past June, I was fortunate enough to be named the eighth president of the hall. So, so really moving from those two, uh, you know, sort of Jewish cultural hubs of LA and, and the, the Phoenix Valley out to Cooperstown, which is in, you know, it's just this beautiful strip of New York. Um, I don't know, is it called the, is it part of the Oneida Valley or it's sort of, you know, near Oneida and in between Oneida and, and Albany? Um, I, I, I had the, you know, the, the gift a few years ago, my wife got, got me of driving down to Cooperstown for the, for the weekend and going to the hall of fame. And it really is just a, a magical, uh, place. I, I, I take it, I, I take it you were somewhat familiar with the hall, uh, before you took the job, uh, just being in baseball and all that. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a place that every fan always dreams of going to, and you, you hear about this as a bucket list item for so many fans. Um, I was fortunate enough. I was here about 20 years ago with my father. We were, we were in Manhattan for my sister had had a kid out this way and we took a trip up here for less than 24 hours. I mean, we literally drove up, saw the hall and, and drove back. Um, but I, I, I remember thinking how amazing it was then. And then I was very fortunate. Um, in 2014, I came back for the induction ceremony of Joe Torre and Tony La Russa, who I've gotten to work with over the years. Um, I really wanted to kind of just go as a fan. And the following year, we came as part of the group with Randy Johnson. And ultimately, um, as the Diamondbacks front office, there was about 20 of us that kind of sure. put on some events. And so so I had been three times prior to the interview process, but um, obviously it's nothing when you're there as a, as a visitor, it's very different than imagining living here. But it sounds like having been there yourself or been here yourself, um, you get the sense, you, you know what it's like. I mean, this place is, as you said, magical. And any baseball fan that you talk to talks about how this is where they want to get to someday. And hopefully everybody does make it. Did, did Randy Johnson go in with a Diamondbacks cap? He did. Yeah, that was, um, I think, one of the big questions everybody had is whether it just he, he really was obviously almost yeah. as successful in Seattle. But when you think about the greatest free agent signings in the history of sports, I mean, it's pretty much hard. It, he signed a four year deal and he won four Cy Young Awards in a row. I mean, I don't know how you really top that. Um, and including a World Series in the middle of it. So, I mean, he, he that was all with the Diamondbacks, and he chose to to wear our logo on the cap. Well, well, don't forget, we're, we're, we are the Canadian Jewish News, so so we'll always consider Randy Johnson an expo. I was about uh, to say that. <laughs> he should have gone in wearing an expo's cap. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, I mean, this is somewhat, you know, sideways from the the uh, the Jewish uh, athlete debate. But, you know, we talk about uh, plaques, uh, uh, you know, on the on the Hall of Fame and the plaque. You know, do you as the president and as a Jewish person and, you know, for the sake of this podcast, see any value in somebody's cultural background being part of that plaque? Man, there's there are so few words on these plaques. I think I get somewhere in like the 84 range or something. I mean, it is really wow. hard yeah. to get what these guys have done in their careers. And in Effa Manley's case, these women have done in their careers. Um, I mean, ultimately, if it was that significant a part of how why they got into the Hall of Fame, I would say yes. But in the instance where generally speaking, they're obviously not going in there because of their um 
their Your religious religious? background. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or I mean, or any, I mean, it could be any religion, even if you had an incredibly religious Catholic or, or Muslim, I don't know that that part of it would belong on the plaque. But so, one of the cool things that I think people don't really realize about the Hall of Fame is it's obviously more than just a Hall of Fame. It's a museum as well. Right. And so there are multiple mm-hmm. stories that are multiple floors, I should say, not stories, multiple floors of background information. And in fact, I remember walking by right when you walk into the, the beginning of the museum, there's a bat that was given out to a, one of the early Jewish players in the 1870s, I think. It's like a, literally almost a 150-year-old bat. And so the stories of various religions and backgrounds and and cultures are told throughout the museum. I'm just not sure whether the plaque gallery is really the place for that. (laughs) But it is amazing that I I think the plaque gallery is, is, you know, the closest thing to a a cathedral that baseball has, you know, aside from the stadiums, it it has that sort of, uh, I don't know, that that sort of grandeur of, of a grand religious structure. Um, yeah. that's pretty amazing. Um, but I thought we, we would talk a little bit about some of the, the Jews in the hall of fame. Um, one of, one of the more recent inductees, but I think the oldest going back the further furthest is, uh, is Barney Dreyfus, who is the, uh, the, uh, one of the owners of the Pittsburgh pirates and, uh, the guy who's considered at least one of the people who came up with the idea for the world series. Um, so, you know, that's, a, that's a recent inductee that I, I think probably we haven't talked about what people don't know much about. Um, it's sort of like an oddball kind of inductee that, uh, I think it's sort of like, well, if you conceive of, if you come up with the world series, you know, something as enduring <laughs> and important as the world series, you get to be in the hall. That's, that's worthy of inclusion. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, that one, one of the really cool things too, is that as, as someone who's really new at this, I mean, I've basically been in this role now for I mean, 10 days in the actual president's role. And I've only worked at the hall for about a month. Um, I mean, I go in every single day. I walk into the plaque gallery every day. I kind of have a calendar reminder that that sends me either into the plaque gallery or the museum so that I can go find out about a lot of people. Because honestly, I, I probably couldn't name all the Jews that are on the walls <laughs> there just yet. Um, and there are still, as much as I, you know, hate to admit it, I'm sure, I'm sure there are Hall of Famers that I can't tell you a whole heck of a lot about. And so, sure. so much of what I'm loving doing is just is soaking this up and learning it myself. Um, because as, as, as we kind of talked about before we got on air, I mean, everybody knows Sandy Koufax and Hank Greenberg, but um, really truly learning uh, more about who all 333 Hall of Famers is, is now part of my job description. <laughs> Right. Well, that's three of the five. There's five total Jews. Um, the fourth and uh, second most recent, I, I think, is Bud Selig, uh, who we all know is you know the the most recent uh, Major League Baseball sure. commissioner, former owner of the uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers, um, sort of long time long time baseball guy. That also seems like one of those things where it's sort of like if you're a commissioner for you know 15, 20 years, you're a Hall of Famer. I think I think Selig. I think ever <laughs> like. No, I, I think Bud Selig is the kind of guy that's like everyone had an opinion on at some point or another. Like, people, you know, some people liked him, didn't like him, whatever. But like, you can't be commissioner for that long without leaving like, you know, a real delible impact no on doubt. the game and, and total yeah. changes on it. Um, yeah. So he, he was. And, and what I think he doesn't get, he really doesn't get enough credit, I think, for just how much the game grew during his tenure. I mean, what he did. For, for any warts that he often admits to, and he actually, he wrote a great book, if you haven't read his, his uh, autobiography, it's really well done, where he actually touches on a lot of things he wishes he'd have done better, but you look at, I mean, where the game was when he took sure. over, and where it was when he left, and it, it, it's just, it's pretty darn impressive. I, I think I think baseball, because of it, the nature of it, and, and you know, the sort of tradition that's baked into it, there, there's people who will have an opinion on something like, 
interleague play. And it's like, you know, they'll never come back from that. They would never forgive someone for that. Or, you know, the player strike or something like that, canceling the world series where it's like, how can we uh, support this guy? Um, And and sort of a, you know, a similar story behind the most recent inductee who was just inducted recently is Marvin Miller, uh, who was, you know, not a baseball player and not even, not even a baseball manager or or coach or anything like that. uh, But, a you know, a labor organizer who convinced major league baseball players to organize and start a players association. And in the same way had probably, you know, as big an impact on, on the way modern sports are and the way modern baseball is, as anyone uh, just in, in terms of how free agency has changed the game and, and the players have had empowerment in, in all major sports for the last 50 odd years. Yeah. And there have been many people who felt like it was long overdue that he should have gotten in while he was still alive. And obviously I think anytime someone gets in after they've passed, I think that's, that's unfortunate. I know in this instance, I'm pretty sure I, I would hate to guess at this, but I, I believe Donald Fear is also Jewish and he spoke on, on behalf of the Miller family when he was there and uh, right. also a fellow Indiana Hoosier similarly, oh, wow. but yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, but, you know, ultimately I, somebody like Marvin Miller, there are a handful, I think it's, I, I should know the number off the top of my head, but it's somewhere in the range of 260 players out of the 333 people who have been, been inducted into the Hall of Fame and the remainder are either umpires, um, executives, or managers. And so, I mean, you just you realize how difficult it is to get in as somebody like Marvin Miller, who obviously didn't play the game. It's really only whatever, maybe 60, 70 people that have ever gotten in with that sort of background. So again, somebody who clearly changed the game in, in amazing ways. And frankly, what what we didn't hear a lot about, which I mean, it it set the set in motion, not just the changes in baseball, but throughout all of sports. And you, you look at the way free agency was in so many of these other sports that were just as part of what you accept as normal, clearly wasn't normal um, back when back when he was pushing for it. And it's, I mean, obviously you, you, we hear that the things like a lot of people probably wouldn't be able to tell you the story of Kurt Flood or of Marvin Miller, but if you go to the Hall of Fame, you would. Um, what I find amazing about pretty much all sports Hall of Fames, and I guess this is your challenge coming up soon, is that you've got, you know, 50, 60 odd exhibits and you could read every word of all of them. And it's all interesting um, yeah. because it's, it's a self-selecting audience. You don't go unless you really want to know. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, though, I mean, there's there's truth to that. But what I what I've found interesting in just a short time I've been here is how often people are kind of coming. They might be on a tour bus coming from sure. New York City to Niagara and they decided to stop in Cooperstown and they they might be more interested in the baseball at the movies exhibit or the mm-hmm. women in baseball exhibit or the um, what's what's now called the. Um, ideals and injustices about the, the experience of the black baseball players going back to the Negro leagues. And so, you, yes, you have to be a true baseball wonk to, to dig into what a catcher's equipment used to look like in the 1890s, but you probably don't have to be if you're going to go wander and take a look at the locker that happens to be from your team in St. Louis. And maybe you remember some sort of cool, I mean, it's that, I do think that that that's why curators are so specialized to what they do. They're trying to figure right. out how to write just the short amount of words in order to get people to come in, take a look at it and, uh, and move on to the next exhibit. I, I will say that uh, when I went with my wife, who is understandably less of a baseball fan than I am, um, which is again, most, most, most it's normal. not people. hard to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But she, she had a very nice time and I think really enjoyed herself. And, you know, I think, you know, not to get too sappy about it, but the history of baseball uh, is, is such a, Inter- so intertwined with American history that it's hard not to get uh, you know worked up about the just the sort of monumental things that have gone on in the history of the game and and how how foundational and, and fundamental you know just sort of 
important they were to, to American culture throughout the 20th century, uh, 21st yeah. century now that it's just, uh, well, you know, it's something I'd, I'd really like to go back as soon as I can, or kids are old enough to drag and, and be forced to walk <laughs> through a museum of baseball uh, yeah. by their dad. So yeah, that's something I, 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 I hope that's, for. Um, what, yeah. One thing we wanted to, we wanted to bring up, and, and you know, you, you mentioned the sort of, you know, there aren't, the, there's only 300 odd people in the Hall of Fame. It, it, you know, it's been around for, for 70 plus years now, I, I think. And um, uh, it's, it's a very, very exclusive club. We got an email that was sent to us from someone trying to campaign for Ken Holtzman. He's a, he's a you know, a, a Jewish baseball player mm-hmm. being the Hall of Fame. And he is not a, he's not exactly a Hall of Fame caliber player, you know, had a nice career, the Hall of Very Good, as they call it. Um, yes. So I guess it's early stages <laughs> in, in your career at the Hall of Fame. But have you experienced people campaigning? Are there a lot of people let it, writing letters to you or tweeting at you? Yeah, you how know? busy is your LinkedIn <laughs> inbox with like stats of Gary Sheffield and so on and so forth? <laughs> Well, you'd be, I mean, you would not be surprised, I guess, that it's, it's been almost nonstop since the second the announcement happened that I've heard from, I mean, j- literally just today, um, there's a writer at the LA Times who, who asked if it was okay for, he, he's campaigning on behalf of Maury Wills, and he wanted to know whether, where people can send their letters, can they send it directly to me? So I said, sure, go ahead and have to send it to, send it to me. Um, Gil Hodges, I've heard from people pushing for him. Um, Buzzy Bavese, there's been a number of people that, that have already reached out and Kurt Flood, like you mentioned. And I think one of the, one of the cool things about my particular role is that I don't really have to get involved in that. I think uh, our job really is to make sure that these era committees that are going back and looking at those that didn't get in that they have all the information, statistical right. and otherwise, to be able to make that decision. And really, our job is not to really decide who gets in. It's to help the process move forward, help help explain it, help kind of implement it, and then help honor these people once they do get in. But um, it's been it's been pretty amazing to hear how many people uh, believe that I could just kind of snap my <laughs> fingers. And I'm I'm glad I do not have that power because that would be a rather challenging. Uh, thing to try to come up with right well it's it, it, i'm sure you'll have to think you'll have to figure out some sort of uh triage system for your inbox i think for all the letters yeah. you're gonna get if, if you're telling people to direct them to you it's very generous it's very generous of you but i don't know i don't know if that'll be able to last forever um yeah but you know i will tell you this though and i, I mean this with all sincerity that that part of what i think um I've tried to do in my whole career is I just, I've always taken the approach that it's one fan at a time. And then when people do email me, I do get back to them and people tweet at me and I respond. And I just think as, as the modern executive has to kind of look at the way the world interacts on social media and otherwise, I mean, they, they, coming up at the Dodgers, I remember somebody once said to me, well, we can't really do all these. If we did it for one, we've got to do it for all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realize that we, can, we can't do absolutely, we can't be everything to everyone. But I do think, um, you know, if people are going to take the time to, to write to us, we do try to acknowledge all of those things that come in in one way or another. That's great. Um, I, I think we've seen, you know, in the last couple of years with the inclusion of guys who were sort of overlooked in their time and made it in that it was incredibly meaningful to them personally, uh, you know, someone like uh, Andre Dawson or, or um, you know, that, that, that it was incredibly meaningful to them and their fans and people who campaigned for it uh, to, to see their guy in. Something we like to ask of, of our guests, you know, we are obviously Jewish and we are sports fans. Um, and, you know, we obviously we watched our Jewish athletes growing up and had our favorites being from Toronto. Sean Green, as you mentioned earlier, was a big deal. And I would love to hear that story. But for you growing up in L.A., you know, working in Phoenix, who are the Jewish athletes that you followed or you paid attention to just because they were Jewish? Because something we all do is go, oh, that guy's Jewish. You know, right, we've done right. it with Ryan Braun for the last 15 years and Sean Green for the 10 before that. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, what's funny is I, I remember growing up that they're, they're just, I don't remember that many in even growing up in Los Angeles that I remember Steve Yeager, when we found out that Steve Yeager was Jewish, we were like, man, right. that's so cool. The catcher for the Dodgers is Jewish. Um, but there weren't really that many that I can remember specifically. I, it's weird because you, you talked about Koufax a lot. That's when you grew up a Dodger fan in Los Angeles, people just talked about Koufax and not playing on Yom Kippur. And, um, you know, and, and I'm sure there are others that I'm probably not remember. I mean, like I remember Rod Carew having converted to Judaism. And we're like, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Now he's a Hall of Famer. So I guess technically there you got another, you've got another well, Hall of Fame. It, it is debated. We, it, it's, we've looked into this before. Uh, Rod Carew, he was married to a Jewish woman. His his daughters, I think, were all brought up Jewish. But he said, you know, he was very in touch with Judaism and, and familiar with it, but he never formally converted and doesn't consider Fair himself enough. Jewish per se. Obviously a, a friend of the tribe, let's say. Yes, yeah, so um, we can blame Adam Sandler for the... Uh, Mis- <laughs> right mis- misinformation but we, we yeah, he won't respond to our emails unfortunately steve, steve yeager is also a convert i mean i think because of his name people thought assumed that he was born jewish but he was he was a convert i know uh lou boudreau uh, again, half Jewish, but, but, uh, you know, I think grew up Catholic, uh, but yeah. it's interesting. Cause there, I think there was for a period of time, a real gulf between, you know, Greenberg and Koufax and Al Rosen and the next generation of people. Was, in the between 80s and Al 90s. Rosen and Kevin Euclid, there was really a, a yeah. interesting thing. Well, here's a, here's a small world is I remember when I, my fraternity brother in college was Kevin Euclid's older brother. Oh, cool. And, <laughs> was it a Jewish frat? Uh, it was. Yeah. Um, and oddly enough, he, um, he used to talk about his little brother who at the time was like, I don't know, ninth, 10th grade. And he was a really good player. And we're like, whatever, everybody's got a little brother who's a pretty good player in high school, but <laughs> his little brother went on to be Kevin Euclid. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty impressive. That's amazing. Um, can we, yeah. can we bother you for your, your Sean Green anecdote? Always, always game for one of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's just been awesome. I, I, I was fortunate enough to start working with him um, kind of shortly after he came over to the Dodgers uh, as a free agent or excuse me, as part of a trade originally. Um, but then when I actually, the year that I covered the Dodgers, which is 2001, um, we had just gotten to know each other. I think it was my, maybe a second or third year there. And so he had a pretty good understanding of who I was and, and that I wasn't going to burn him. And I remember um, asking him if I could, if I could kind of work on a first person piece on why he didn't play on Yom Kippur in 2001, which was kind of a big deal coming down sure. the stretch. There weren't a lot of players that were, that were doing that. And I just remember, I, man, it's it, it's got to be somewhere on MLB.com's archives. That's who I wrote for at the time. And, and it was written kind of as a, as a first-person interview, uh, or excuse me, a first-person from his own words. But ultimately, I helped him with it. And I just remember thinking like... An early Players' yeah, Tribune article. Exactly. There you go. Um, yeah, there were, there were several back in the day. We did blogs <laughs> that people weren't calling blogs back then. They were just right. online journals. But, um, but Sean was really, I think, just very thoughtful in the in in the way he went about it um the he he felt it was important both in his time in la his time in new york that he knew how many kids were looking up to him and he just felt you know i I remember hearing the stories of sandy as a kid i've got to do the same thing and so i just to me dealing with him in that regard and and similarly actually fast forward i don't know 17 years later i was i was fortunate enough to to help run the venue in korea for the world baseball classic and and i wound up being there when team israel was there and um, being around these guys, being on the field when, when um, right up to before the first game, they all kind of took off their hats for the anthem and they all had yarmulkes on. And it just, th- these moments where you kind of realize like just what our faith means and how far back it goes. And the, these, a lot of these guys who weren't necessarily raised Jewish, didn't have bar mitzvahs. They might, they might've had a right. parent or a grandparent. And yet they, they 
they saw Team Israel as their chance to really connect with their heritage. And for me, that's what my religion's always been, just a, a way to kind of look back for, for centuries at the people that came before me. We wind I, I, up hearing this a lot on our show with people we talk to. Uh, Cody Decker of that Israeli team is a great example. And he was a, a awesome. wonderful guy and a great guest that, you know, about a month ago. Um, but there's a, a line from uh, Ike Davis where he talks about when he first got traded to New York, all of a sudden he realized that because he was Jewish, people cared who he was. And he was a relatively anonymous major leaguer before then. And yeah. after that, like it sort of, it, it brought him into the community more because he was being reached out to so often. Yeah. And I remember Sean had that same experience in Toronto um, where he said there was, uh, there were a number of people that obviously reached out to him and was getting invited to synagogues left and right. And that, that sort of stuff. Like it just, everyone in Toronto has a, has a story that they claim Sean Green went to their synagogue. It's like <laughs> a thing. That's really funny. Well, perhaps he did, but, uh, but he is as good a guy as there is. Cody's amazing. And that's, I think in a lot of ways, um, when you enter, when you find, and, and when you reached, when you guys reached out to me, I mean, first of all, I, there's never been a more fitting podcast for me. I'm the ultimate bench warmer. <laughs> like that is, that, that is where I belong. Um, in, when it comes to playing skills and, and hopefully uh, my menchness, but um, I think right. when people, when people reach out throughout the, the community, everybody wants to try to help each other. And, the, and I sure. think um, that's, uh, I, I assume that's the case with other faiths as well, that, you know, when you, when you find somebody who kind of was raised with the same upbringing that you were, um, you, you kind of want to do what you can to try to help them. We've, we've had one no in the history of this podcast. Uh, and it is, it is a future hall of famer. At least I think they will be, but, uh, it's, uh, it not saying who it is. It's just, we've had only one in the history okay. of the show. Uh, All right. <laughs> anyways, uh, jo well, I Josh, I won't try to guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they may or may not do play by play for the Yankees. That's not important. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Josh, thank you for being so, so generous with your time. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there, but that was really great. Um, Josh, I don't, I don't know if you have anything to plug. I mean, the baseball hall of fame, guys, <laughs> yeah, go to the listeners, hall of fame, go listeners. to the baseball hall of fame. It's worth, it's worth your time. It's, it's out of the way or it's on the way to something it's, it's worth going to, you will not regret it. It is something everyone should see in their lifetime. If you, if you like baseball, even a little. You should go to the, yeah. the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown. Well, and I will, I will end it with this as I have with a few other podcasts I've done. If you, if you listen into this podcast and you get there and you tell somebody at the front that you're there because of the mensch warmers, they know to come find me and uh, I'm going to come bring something out to the people out front and uh, Fantastic. just in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an amazing place to come that um, part of what makes it cool is that it isn't on the way. It is really, you kind of have to make an effort to get there, but because of that, it's just such a special town. And uh, I hope I get to meet uh, some of your listeners out this way. I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, and I'm, I'm, you might meet one of us one day if we find our way out there. There's, we sort of have like a dream of coming to play golf at Turning Stone and then go to the uh, Hall of Fame and then, you know, come back via the Finger Lakes. There's a whole itinerary that's been thrown around before. I love it. Well, don't um, don't give up on leather stocking. That that golf course, which is right, literally 15 steps from the hall, is uh, is unbelievable. It's right on Lake Otsego, and Ooh. you've got the back patio, the Otisago, which is the the hotel that all the Hall of Famers stay at. Right. I mean, you don't even have to, you don't even have to do Turning Stone. Just make it straight to Cooperstown, and uh, we got plenty for you to do out here. Oh, there you go. That's fantastic. Um, okay, we'll come. We'll come for Kevin Euclid's uh, Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> Maybe 2030 Veterans Committee 2030. We'll we'll be there. I love it. And his brother, Scott, will be there and we'll reminisce <laughs> about college. Exactly. Sounds good. Thanks, thanks again, Josh. This is great. You bet, guys.
thanks again to Josh Rawich for appearing on our show. If anyone is interested in visiting the Baseball Hall of Fame, it is in a town called Cooperstown, New York, a place we discussed at length in the show. Um, if you would like to come with us to visit Josh, just mention, as he said, mention the Menchwarmers at the front desk and that you're here to say, uh, see Josh and the Menchwarmers, either Gabe or Jamie will send you. And he promised some sort of memorabilia. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's like a baseball menorah with like baseball bats with all the Jewish players. Josh, get on that. If you can create that memorabilia, I think that maybe, would be maybe a Sandy Koufax baseball card. A Sandy Koufax baseball card would be pretty cool. Maybe like a Menchwarmers ball cap with the Bay Hall of Fame logo. These are just ideas. I'm just, I'm just spitballing some ideas here. Yeah. Um, Gabe, we talked about some Jews in the Major League Baseball or the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't know. Did I we? Major I don't League know. Baseball. We talked about some Jews. We talked about some Jews in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, and there's one, one person I'd like to mention as well who's not a Jew, but who is a Mike Jacobs All-Star in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's Mordecai Brown. Do you know Mordecai Brown? Three Finger Brown? Three Finger Brown. So Mordecai Brown was a uh, pitcher for, you know, mostly the Cubs and some other teams back at the turn of the 20th century. And he was known as Mordecai Three Finger Brown because he uh, mangled one of his hands in some farm equipment, I believe. And he used that sort of mangled hand to manipulate the ball in a certain way. That's sort of how he he was so good at, uh, I, I at throwing like, the ball. Like farm equipment injuries were like really, really common back then. Yeah, you know, just he, like if you grow up, if you're like a corn fed American, like I, you know, our producer Michael would know about this, but I'm pretty sure that there's a bit in Cheers where the character Woody just like keeps telling people about horrifying farm injuries right. that happened in the town he grew up in. Yeah. So Mordecai Brown, you know, injured his hand, learned how to throw like a, a knuckle slurve or something like that with it. And uh, I, I think he was one of those like farm boys who like, you know, grew up throwing rocks at, at, uh, at, you know, fence at posts local, or something at like local that. school children. And he was one of the, you know, one of the dominant pitchers of that uh, dead ball era uh, selected for the hall of fame in 1949. And uh, as far as I know, one of the few famous non-Jews named Mordecai. I really, I really don't think I can think of any others. Uh, like Moises Alou. Yeah. Like Moises Alou, but Moises at least is like from a, you know, Moses or like a pretty um, uh, straightforward part I of the Bible. Pretty sure there were for about a minute there was a guy on the Blue Jays named Mike Mordecai. Yeah, Mike Mordecai, but that was a last name. Um, a last name. So if anyone's aware of any <laughs> of any other uh, non-Jewish Mordecais, you can let us know. Um, any other but famous Mordecais? Yeah, he, first name or last name? This is that's a very very good question. But Mordecai and Brown definitely sounds like could be a Jewish guy. Morty Brown, you know, definitely was someone who I thought growing up was was Jewish. So a salute to to Mike Jacobs All Star Mordecai. <laughs> Morty Brown. Brown. Uh, right. Morty, hey, Mort. Do you think his friends called him Morty? I think they call. I think they called him Mort. Um, Mort makes sense, or Morty, or something. Yeah, probably. minor. Apparently, they called him minor. Minor. Hmm. Um, I guess three finger is probably something they wrote about behind his back. Yeah, exactly. Or or brownie. Okay, according to Wikipedia, which I feel like the Wikipedia of these are like written by the Hall of Fame Veterans Committee. It's like I written know. by some guy from Saber. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, they called him Brownie or Mort. Okay. Um, and I, I also, I think a lot of our listeners will remember from the Simpsons episode where uh, Mr. Burns tries to recruit him for their softball team. Oh, that's right. Even though he had been dead for about 45 years. He, he was one of the players that Mr. Burns wanted before he hired all the, uh, all the ringers. Yeah. Anyways. Any, any member of the Brooklyn Tip Tops. <laughs> Anyways, that, I think that's enough baseball talk for one night. Um, let's leave it there. Uh, thanks again to Josh for joining us. Um, as always, you can find us at the Canadian Jewish News, the CJN.ca, uh, where you can find our podcast, all our other great sister podcasts, and 
all the other Canadian Jewish news. And um, if you're listening to this for the first time, feel free to jump ahead into our archives on the Sim Tora. We recommend our episode featuring uh, hockey player Zach Hyman, wrestler Paul Cabana, or broadcaster Mike Wilner. Our most recent episodes we all love. We think you'll love them too. Yeah, if you're listening to us through the CJN website, uh, you can continue to do so, or you can find us on any podcast app. And please subscribe and like our podcast, and it can be right into your ears every two weeks. Uh, you can straight also straight into your ear holes. Straight into your ears. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Menchwarmers for lots of spicy takes about all the news about juice and sports. Uh, until next time, uh, we're Gabe and Jamie. Thanks to our producer, Michael Freeman and the Canadian Jewish News. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.